Welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg. And on this episode, Carrie Lucas joins us for our policy focus on paid leave. While most employers offer some type of paid leave to full-time workers, many workers still lack sufficient paid time off. So the question we'll explore today is whether policymakers can help workers earn money and save for time off without, of course, growing government or discouraging employers from offering their own benefits. Before we bring Carrie on, a little about her. Carrie Lucas is the president of Independent Women's Forum and vice president for policy and economics at Independent Women's Voice. She is the author of Checking Progressive Privilege and the Politically Incorrect Guide to Women, Sex, and Feminism. She Her writing has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, USA Today, and the New York Post, and she contributes regularly to National Review and Forbes.com. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Beverly. So you have a new policy focus, which is entitled Help Workers Prepare for Leave Time. For those listening, I want everyone to know you can read this if you go to IWF.org. It came out this month. So this is a new policy focus. Um, So as we start, why don't you, Carrie, just define paid leave for us? What all does that encompass? Um, you know, this is, thank you. That's such an important kind of place to begin because I do think there's some confusion about that. Um, you know, what we're really talking about is, um, is the time that people, you know, all, everyone who works knows that, um, sometimes something comes up and you can't go to the office. Um, and for some of us, if you're working at a salaried position, most people have, uh, have something from their employers where they say, okay, you get, you know, 10, 10 days a year that, um, you can take off in paid sick time. You know, that, that's an example of paid leave. Leave. People who have are, are part are, are hourly workers or work part time. They are less likely to have um, those days. So if you take a day off from work because of your sick or for some other reason, um, that means that you're going without um, payment for those those hours, which obviously can create some real hardship. Um, and and the biggest kind of when you talk about is paid sick leave is one issue, but then one of the issues that gets the most attention um, is that is this idea of paid time off after having a child. So this is for new moms and dads when they're welcoming a new baby, or for in the mom's case, recovering from giving birth, um, or uh, the um, or adopting a child um, and transitioning into having a new family member. It makes it you know a real challenge. In some cases, you know obviously a, a woman who's just had a baby can't return to, the, to work the next day. So the question is, is, is um, how, does she have time off from work where she still gets to keep receiving a paycheck or some kind of financial support? Or what can we do um, to make it so that she um, can make ends meet during those times? So that's this whole idea of time away from work, but still having the financial support you need to continue making ends meet. So tell us a little bit about what employers are doing. It seems like a lot of employers are meeting the demands of employees. So I know as a small business owner, I want to do what I can to make my employees happy while the work's still being done. So do you find that employers are finding their own solutions on how to provide leave time, especially for pregnancy or if there is a health issue in the family and that they don't need government intervention? You know, absolutely. You know, one of the, I think, the worst and I think most pernicious myths about the American economy um, is this idea that um, all that, you know, employers don't care about their workers and that they're just trying to, um, you know, race to the bottom and do as little as they can. Um, and um, you know, you'll see this sometimes. I know sometimes in my you know, Facebook feed, I'll see somebody who says, you know, the United States is you know, the worst place in the world for women to work. 
We're only one of two countries that doesn't have a, a paid leave plan. Um, and while, okay, you know, fair, fair enough that, um, that the United States is kind of a unique in the world for not having a government mandate that all workers must, that all employers must provide paid leave to their employers. That doesn't mean that the United States, that you know, women are all being you know, forced back into the coal mines two days after giving birth, or that employers aren't aren't um, often offering these benefits. Um, when you look at the at the data, um, oh, when you look at full time workers in the civilian workforce, um, over well over ninety ninety um, percent um, have some form of paid time off. And one of the things that gets tr- gets tricky here is you'll hear well only. 13% of, of um, those workers have paid maternity leave or paid paternity leave. And um, you know that number, I think, is, is already a little bit um, misleading. But more importantly, employers have for a long time been moving away from this idea of having different buckets of time off instead of having, you know, you get five sick days, you get five personal days, you get five vacation days, um, having something that's just called your paid leave that you can take off this much time for these qualifying events um, and not kind of having these different accounting silos. And so that's why it looks like so few so people so few people have paid time off for this paid maternity leave um, when in fact it's you know employers are much more generous. And what's interesting, what I think is particularly interesting and encouraging is that we've seen over the last few years as the economy has strengthened, and the um, the number the employment numbers have improved. More and more employers are offering paid leave benefits. This includes places like Starbucks and um, you know the Amazon and those kind of places that you would think of as having um, a lot of hourly workers and lower wage workers who are the people who are least likely to have paid leave benefits. Um, and and the good news is that you know as they have to compete for workers and as they have more um, you are doing better in this growing economy. They are offering those, so so that is very encouraging. That the market is, you know, it's not it's not perfect. Obviously, there are some, a lot of folks out there who don't have feel like they have sufficient time off, but um, but the market is pushing this in the right direction. And I think some would listen to this and say that's great for salaried work workers who have a great employer that these benefits are offered. But what about individuals who work an hourly paid job that don't receive the same type of benefits? What about, let's say, a single mom who's pregnant getting hourly pay? What does she do? And shouldn't government step in at that point? Yeah, well, you know, I think there's there's um, a, you know, there's a few ways to kind of approach this question, because you're, you're absolutely right that, um, that, frankly, I think that um, that's really what we, all we should be talking about when we're talking about, um, about the paid leave debate. That's, that's who we're worrying about, and that's who deserves our time and attention. If you're somebody who has, um, you are well above the median average, then you, you should be able to, and, you know, you, you can figure it out. You can, you know, obviously, you know, I've had a couple of kids um, you know, you have a lot of time to prepare for um, for to pay time for needing to take leave time, um, you know, whether or not my employer or offers it, you know, I, sh- I can plan ahead. I can figure out how to get through the time I need or make a make a plan that makes sense for my family. But when you talk about when you have that example of the, you know, especially the single mom who's you know, who's working um, and so who needs time off from, from work, which is, you know, that's when we are talking about workers here, which is um, kind of an important emphasis is that these are people who are trying to support themselves and be independent, um, you know, not just depend on government um, handouts. So um, so you do think that's the person that absolutely, I think our, all of our attention should be focused on. 
but we have to be careful. You know, that doesn't mean we can just say, okay, yeah, let's let's go ahead and let's have a um, uh, you know, a government program and start just let's have a new payroll tax and have a new benefit stream. And yes, absolutely, every paid um, you know uh, hourly worker, everybody who has a minimum wage worker also needs to have um, a big paid leave package. Well, you, you've got to be. I feel like you got to be real careful with that because. Um, as an employer, I'm sure you know this, Beverly, too, when you're looking at hiring somebody or engaging an, em- an employee, the way you look at it, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what the, the actual wage is. You're looking at the overall cost of hiring that person. How much is it going to cost the business to employ any given employee and what are you going to get for that payment? Um, and once you start adding in a lot of benefits, uh, the cost, you know, the cost of, of hiring someone go up. Um, that means that the amount of money you can allocate to actual wages, the you know the money you see in the um, and your paycheck at the end of any given pay period, you know, that's going to go down. So um, so there is that that trade off, and then almost more importantly for those for people who are just starting out, once the cost of employing some someone start going up, that means you're going to start looking for people who can bring more to the table. This means that. You know, not everybody, if you're just starting out, if you're a, you know, a teenager, um, it's hard for you to command a, um, you know, to provide $20 of value to an, em- an employer. But once you start having, you know, a higher minimum wage and then adding on benefit costs, all of a sudden they say, you know what, nope, I'm not going to take a chance on a, on a, um, 18 year old or somebody who's just, um, coming out of an, un- a stint with unemployment. I'm going to play it safe and hire somebody with more experience. And instead of having a couple of, of kind of lower paid um, uh, new workers. I'm going to get somebody with a lot of experience who can handle all these responsibilities. So it's people who are on, um, who are starting out and who have lower incomes who are the most likely to end up losing workplace opportunities um, if we just go ahead and start, um, you know, imposing a new um, uh, payroll tax or a new employment mandate uh, on people to try to provide this uh, one size fits all benefit package. That's why. I, I think that is the approach that we shouldn't follow that temptation to just have government go ahead and try to solve this problem because the problems that it will create are worse, are even worse and will hurt those people more. And as far as what we see our policymakers suggesting right now, I mean, you're talking about mandating that employers provide this. What about just creating a new government entitlement program altogether, meaning everybody in the country will be paying higher taxes for this, this bank that can pay out to people who need paid leave. Is that something that's being considered? And if you can, tell us what our current law is and whether or not there is a big push to make some drastic changes to the current law. Oh, absolutely. You know, there has been a, a ton of, of, of debate and um, a lot of conversations going on. It's, it's you know, interesting that um, President Trump, during the his campaign, um, he was really the first Republican to make paid leave a, a real focus. He's been talking from the beginning, um, for better and for worse, about the need for um, for Republicans and that he wants the government to step in and do something to provide more paid leave support for um, uh, for Americans and particularly those who have um, who are just have a baby. Um, you know, it's in a, but then obviously, so if, if people, there's a lot of consensus. You look at a, a, a polling, um, and um, most Americans, even most Republicans, um, uh, think that the government ought to do something to help those who need paid leave. The question is, is what are you going to do? Um, because as I was just describing, this idea of having a new paid leave mandate, um, you know, first would be very expensive. You know, if you start, um, if you start having a 
promised government payment um, of you know, replacing someone's income for six weeks um, when they have a, a baby or need time off from work. That's really expensive. That's a, that's a lot of money. Um, and that money has to come from somewhere, of course. And so most proposals, um, the one that is uh, that is the biggest out there is the most um, well known is something called the Family Act, which has been um, introduced in um, numerous congresses, congresses over the last several years um, by Congress or by Senator Gillibrand. Is um, it is to create a new payroll tax. So this would be a new tax on the first dollar that every American earns, um, and you'd be losing, um, you know, less than a little less than one percent. But this would be going into every every single paycheck you have would be smaller because of this new tax and this new um, benefit program. Um, you know what that that's it's really important because you know we talk about wanting people, the people who can't um, afford time off from work, well they also can't afford to have their their paychecks reduced. Um, and you know this is a, 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 t- a tax they'd be paying you know not just for those um, the six weeks or the one year that they need this paid leave benefit, it's a tax that they'll be paying um, you know for the rest of their working lives. So the numbers can be can be quite um, quite big and of course, once it becomes something that government is giving out for, you know, it is giving out, it becomes a benefit. You're right to take this. It means a lot more people are going to be taking this, right? This is so it it could get very expensive very quickly. So I think that you know, that um, the um, the president and um, and certainly most um, Republicans, but then even a growing number of Democrats have recognized that um, that that kind of sweeping new mandate would be incredibly costly. Frankly, you know, just as importantly. Uh, um, Beyond the the costs are um, are what it would do to um, everybody out there who likes their current employment situation, um, because let's remember as as we you know we kind of started talking off about what the private sector is already doing. You know the the most Americans um, have benefit packages that they're satisfied with. Um, you know that. Obviously, there's some people who have hardship and would have something different, but there's a lot of people out there who like what they have. And if they, if all of a sudden, you what this having a one-size-fits-all government entitlement plan would rewrite the employment on the compensation package for every single working American, suddenly you would have a tax, this new tax that everyone would have to pay, and this new benefit. If as an employer, every employer would then have an incentive to say, hey, instead of providing you with the benefit package that I currently do, we're already we have to pay for this new federal thing. So you're going to come on, you're going to start getting this. This is your benefit package. Um, now that means that a lot of people would, might end up with reduced. If you, you know, right now, if you're in somebody in um, have an employer who's generous, you very well likely may end up having your benefit packages go down. Become instead of having 100 pay 100 percent of your pay replaced for six weeks after um, giving birth, all of a sudden you're going to have whatever the government is going to give you, which is closer to about two thirds of what your, your, um, your salary is. So changes like that. And just as importantly, it also means that instead of having a, an employment situation where you can say, you know what, I want to take off a couple of weeks and I want to come back part time. And you can kind of, you know, figure out exactly. I know that I have conversations with um, like this with women at the Independent Women's Forum where I'm the person (laughs) that um, people have to talk to about um, their plans after maternity leave. Often it isn't just a straight, hey, here's your time off and um, you're going to take these days and then you're going to come back full force. A lot of people want something a little different. They're willing to start working a day a week, but want some extra time. Um, You know, but all those conversations, all that nuance would be thrown out the door and government would be saying, 
nope, this is what you get. Um, you get exactly what we say, and you're going to have to pay for it um, every single day for the rest of your life. There's no choice. Well, then, Carrie, tell me a little bit about then what are you suggesting? I know you're not saying that status quo is perfect. What type of policy suggestions is IWF making? Um, yeah, you know, you're right. It's, it's really important, I think, to um, for us to kind of start with that because um, you're, the status quo isn't perfect. Um, first of all, the only law we have on the books on a federal level right now related to, um, to leave is the Family and Medical Leave Act. Um, and FMLA, it entitles um, employees of covered employers, and these covered employers are, are larger employers. It's um, employers um, with more than 15 um, employees. Um, so, uh, again, that exempts a whole lot of people who are working for really small be um, benefits aren't covered by this. But those who are, um, they are guaranteed um, 12 weeks of unpaid leave for a um, for a, a qualifying event. These are things like the birth of a, of a child um, and adopting a child. And then if you have a serious health condition or one of your loved ones uh, has a serious health condition, you can take up to 12 weeks off from your employer and basically they have to hold your job for you. Um, again, for if you can't afford to have time time off, that's, um, you know, <laughs> that's still, um, it's still a little tough, but that's the only law we have on the books. Um, and when we talk, uh, you know, when we think about things we can we can do to help people, um, you know, the Independent Women's Forum uh, came out with an idea. This was the first paper um, on this was written by Kristen Shapiro, who is our um, a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum, and she proposed the idea of giving people um, new, um, um, greater flexibility about the timing of benefits that they're already entitled to under current law. So right now, every American, is working American, is paying into our Social Security system. You're paying 12.4% of your payroll every single um, week is going into Social Security. Um, and for that, you are entitled to a benefit payment um, at retirement. Um, and for uh, most of us, depending on your age, but mo for most people, younger people, it's um, you are entitled to retirement benefits starting at age 67 as it will be the normal retirement age. Um, and so Kristen said, hey, why don't we let people decide, you know, if you've just had a, a new baby or you're adopting a child, you can say, I want to take uh, uh, some, some of that Social Security benefit that I'm already accruing that I'm supposed to take when I retire. I want to take that now. I need it more, and I'm willing to work a little longer. Instead of retiring at 67, I'll delay my eligibility so that I can work a little longer um, down the road in exchange for taking this benefit. So, you know, this is the, the great news on this for um, for taxpayers is that this isn't this isn't new new benefits. This isn't something where we're all going to have to pay more in taxes. If you're a, a worker um, that doesn't want this, if you don't want to take that option, then you can be totally unaffected by it. It's just changing the timing of benefits that are already um, uh, that are already promised and expected under current law. Um, and this has been turned into legislation. This concept has been turned into legislation by Senators Rubio and Lee and Senator Ernst. Um, and then, um, interestingly, uh, the, another really kind of big proposal that's that is coming out. Um, is a bipartisan bill that kind of changes it. So it's a slight difference um, from the Social Security proposal, but this would allow people to borrow against their um, tax credits. So everybody under current law, you're allowed to take child tax credits. 
um, and uh, and this would say in the year that you give birth or are welcoming a child, that first year you can front load some of those benefits, but then you have reduced eligibility over time. I mean, I think it's a really important concept because you know not only does, is this budget or is the are these ideas budget neutral? They just change the timing of when benefits are owed, um, and therefore don't create new burdens for taxpayers. They also wouldn't do anything to change. Um, how employers are providing benefits for their employees. You know, uh, as a somebody who's running this small organization, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't say, oh no, you know, we can't, because you know, I, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't say we're no longer going to offer the benefits we have because you could borrow against Social Security. Um, I think most employers would. There's no new cost for you, so you would just continue doing what you're doing. You'd still be competing um, to provide benefits to to um, your employees because you, that's how you keep, can attract and retain good workers. Um, so that's another one in a way that I think this, that's a, bit much, a much better approach than that huge enti- new entitlement program that we were describing earlier. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, and real quick, as we're kind of wrapping up, I, one of the things I think is so important as you're saying, this is the idea of flexibility and allowing flexibility within all of this, that every person's life is a little bit different. And so allowing that opportunity. So final question for you on this is first of all, with, with lawmakers trying to find solutions and try to put forward legislation. Do you think that any of those bills will pass? Second of all, I know you have some additional ideas on how you think we can make some smaller changes to to help paid leave as it currently is. Um, ab- absolutely. You know, And this is uh, in the policy focus I just wrote for IWF. Um, I, I kind of push past, I give a brief overview of that state of the, the paid leave bait, debate and some of these um, bigger issues, but really focus in instead on a few things that I feel like are common sense. And these are things that we should be able to, so there should be bipartisan support for, and we should pass this year. You know, right now, one of those is called the, the Working Families Act. Um, this is this basic idea of um, of allowing people uh, who are who are eligible for overtime. So these are people who are working on um, the hourly workers, re- um, relatively lower income workers to say, instead of instead of receiving time and a half right now under the um, Fair Labor Standards Act, every worker who works in excess of 40 hours in a given week has to receive um, pay and a half for that, um, that extra hour they work. But instead, this is, you know, government employees who, who are being compensated can say, you know what, instead of pay and a half, I want to have a, an hour and a half off for that extra hour. This is a way to accrue paid leave time um, just by working overtime and by banking your overtime. Um, that's something that the government employees can do. Private sector sh- workers should have the option of doing that too. I feel like that's one that should be an absolute no-brainer. And then the other one that I think is, is worth mentioning is this idea of, of allowing people to use, to save in anticipation of their own times of, of family leave. You know, right now there's savings accounts for um, healthcare expenses, for retirement, for education. Um, it's, it would be perfectly sensible to include a um, paid uh, a paid leave um, include paid leave among those uh, very important expenses that deserve to have um, that deserve to have this tax advantage um, savings. You know, with with health savings accounts. Uh, people are allowed to to put away money tax free, um, and uh, before before paying taxes, that they can then use for qualifying health expenses. Well, why can't they also use that money for time away from work when they are dealing, um, have a new baby, or are facing um, their own illnesses? 
Um, there's a bill out there called the Freedom for Families Act that would allow people to use money that they accrue in their health savings accounts to replace income lost during these qualifying um, times when they're taking time off from work. I think that's another very sensible, you know, let's make it, let's expand it, make it easier for people to, uh, to save on their own for, um, for time away from, from work, and then give them the opportunity to bank some overtime. You know, those are ways that we can help people help themselves you know, without changing every, everything for every American worker, um, you know, without imposing tremendous new costs on everybody else. We can make this a, a, you know, a system that, that helps people and just gives people you know, more freedom and better options. And honestly, it's in a policy area that touches everybody. Everybody at a certain point in time is going to need um, paid time or paid leave in order to, whether it's pregnancy or dealing with the health of a family member. So uh, really great work done on this. And we so appreciate you joining us, Carrie, to talk about the solutions that you think are feasible and will benefit people's lives. So thank you. Great. Thanks so much for having me on. And thank you all for listening. Before you go, I do want to let you know of a great podcast you should subscribe to in addition to She Thinks. It's called Problematic Women, and it's hosted by Kelsey Bowler and Lauren Evans, where they both sort through the news to bring stories and interviews that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. That is women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. Every Thursday, hear them talk about everything from pop culture to policy and politics by searching for problematic women wherever you get your podcasts. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks episodes. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.